Hi, I'm Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're taking up the third in my series on the types of prayer found in the Word of God. Today we're going to talk about a prayer for wisdom. Knowledge is input of the Word of God. Wisdom is the correct application of the Word of God. We're going to talk about that today. Taking it in is your choice, but when you put it out, ask for God's anointing and blessing on it and watch the wisdom of God change circumstances. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. We are day number three in a three-part series on the prayers of Paul, and we're going to talk today about a prayer for wisdom. We've talked about a prayer for knowledge, and that's, you know, the Lord showing us what the Word of God has to say. And uh, today we're going to be taking up a prayer for wisdom, and wisdom is really the application of knowledge. It's up to us to get knowledge. Of course, prayer accompanies that. Whenever I study the Word of God, I pray for this revelation to come. But it's just not enough to know the verses of there, but to, to get the revelation of it. And this is what we're going to talk about today, that really knowledge is an input and wisdom is an output. Understanding God's Word is the most important. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, with all you're getting, get understanding. Understanding is really that part between knowledge and wisdom. You get knowledge, but to actually use it, you have to have a revelation of what's there, not just quote it, not just use it because it's written there. How many people say today, you know, well, the truth will make you free. That's not what the verse says. It says, knowing the truth will set you free. Just having a Bible in your hand, just having different translations around your house doesn't mean that that's going to jump off the page and set you free free. You've got to know it and have a revelation of it. Then the truth will make you free. So wisdom is really knowledge plus revelation of that knowledge, then acting on it. That's wisdom. So we can simply say today that wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. We'll take that up from the verse of scripture. Turn to Ephesians chapter one while you're turning there. Again, hey, some of you might be joining me for the first time. Welcome. Glad to have you here on the broadcast. And uh, I've been pastoring for 33 years and I stepped down a number of years ago and have gone now for a television ministry and just really reaching out. And I love what I do. And so again, God has just gifted me, give me a gift to take a look at the word of God. And I'm a teacher of the word of God. I was a pastor teacher for a number of years. And so this is what I do. And uh, that resonates with many as you watch the broadcast. You get some people saying, I've never heard it like that. Thank you. And they jump in and become prayer partners with me and then become financial partners with me. So for those of you just joining today, stick around. I think you're going to enjoy it. For those who've been watching for numbers of weeks, welcome again back to the broadcast. But for those who've been watching for many, many years, and now become partners with me. You make it possible to bring it to the person watching for the first time. You make it possible to bring it day after today to the ones who've been watching for numbers of months. And of course, I owe my uh, allegiance to God, number one, but I owe my allegiance, number two, to you. Because God is the one that anoints, God's the one who gives knowledge, but you're the one that offers the finances for us to take it to the world. And God's always done this, Old Testament new. If you would like to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner with me. And believe me, I'm thanking you for all that you give, whether whether you consider it a small amount or a large amount, God looked at the widow's mind and said she gave more than the ones that gave a lot. Why? Because percentage-wise, she gave more. And so whatever you can do, what you know, as you purpose in your heart, the Holy Spirit gives you a figure, 
Well, then make that a monthly gift to me and thank you so much. You put all this together and believe me, we can feed the 5,000. We can do just numbers of great things when we band together and we offer our finances for one great purpose, the most important use for finances in the world, to help win souls and make disciples out of people. Ephesians chapter one, take a look at verse 15 through 18. Therefore, I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I want you to look with me again at verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's go to the last, that third one. Knowledge. Knowledge is up to us to get. The Bible doesn't say if anyone lacks knowledge, let him ask of God. You can't pray for knowledge. Knowledge comes from studying to show yourself approved unto God. Knowledge comes from study of the word of God. But what God offers after that is that your prayer can be, Lord, give me revelation so that I can act in wisdom on what I have. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to get understanding and revelation of it. Sometimes that comes through prayer, but sometimes your prayer is answered as you sit in church and hear your pastor, he'll pull a verse up and you go, well, I've wondered about that verse. And suddenly he gives a revelation on it. It explodes on the inside of you. That's when it becomes usable. Not because you've got the facts in your mind, the facts inside of you. It's when those facts take on revelation and the Holy Spirit anoints it and then you're ready to go out and do something with that promise. That's when you begin to take it to your friends, show it to other people, what the Lord has showed you out of that verse of scripture. You can change people's lives. And again, it comes back to it. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. It's up to us to get to knowledge. It's up to us to pray. In fact, this is a prayer Paul prayed for the saints at Ephesus, but a prayer that was based on his own personal experience. Paul was a great man of prayer and a great man of study. He put the two together. His study produced knowledge, but then the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he prayed for brought him revelation of it, and then he took it and wrote the word of God for us. So many of the revelations he got was from Old Testament scriptures. He talks about that many times as it was spoken, as it was taken by the Lord. Lord. And we find it being quoted from Moses. We find it, being, uh, find it being quoted from Isaiah, other prophets, and then brought into the New Testament as New Testament revelation. So basically we have here, this is the second part of Paul's prayer. In fact, notice verse 15, if you would. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore simply means it's a connection to the verses before it. And up until now, he's been praying for us to get knowledge. Now he prays for us to get revelation and wisdom in the word of God. So this this is really part of Paul's longest recorded prayer in the New Testament. This prayer is a petition to God for the Holy Spirit's enrichment in our lives to enhance our wisdom and revelation in the knowledge we have from his word and finding out his plan for our life. Notice again, verse 15 says, therefore I also is a transition between two prayers. And the first half of the chapter, again, is a prayer for knowledge. Let me just give you a little uh, background on the first opening verses here of this chapter. The first half of the chapter says, we were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. What knowledge simply lets us know is knowledge helps us see what God has done for us. Then revelation, that helps us apply it. What the good does it know that we were chosen by God before the foundation of the world? Simply that God has a plan for us. And that plan was not something he threw together yesterday. 
It's not something you just suddenly, you know, packaged up for us a week ago. No, it's been there since the foundation of the world. God knew that we would receive Jesus because he knew when we received Jesus, then he made a plan for our life. Secondly, we were predestined by God to live in fulfillment of the scriptures and the time period we're living in. So God only had a plan for us to be saved. He has a plan for our life also after that. Next of all, we were accepted and always will be by God. The moment he saw us that we we're gonna get saved, he accepted us and we been accepted ever since. Even in our times of disobedience, we're still accepted by God the Father toward his children, just like when our children personally are disobedient. They're still accepted by us. We still do certain things for us. We want them, of course, to come back into fellowship with us as God does. But this third point about the things presented in the opening first 14 verses are the fact that we were accepted by God and always will be. Next of all, we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What is it that paid our price to get us out of Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom? It was the very lifeblood of Jesus Christ. The blood refers to his life because the life is in the blood. And Jesus said, I came to give my life a ransom for all. And that's just simply a synonym for the blood of Jesus Christ. Fifthly, we're overloaded with wisdom and good sense for daily life. I mean, just the things we need to operate in our daily life around us, making lunch for the kids or going to office and making business decisions, even that comes from God. I hear people say, well, that's just me doing that. Well, I can tell you this, even your skills come from God. Your determination comes from God. Your, your, your education comes from God. All these things come from God. We need to be, again, thankful to him. Next of all, he's already revealed his will to us. And finally, God's even given us an inheritance, which part of it comes in this lifetime and then in eternity, and it cannot be taken away. This second prayer, again, is a revelation for wisdom and that we'll receive revelation of the word of God. Again, in the Old Testament, it says, with all you're getting, get understanding. Understanding is that sudden light that appears in you when you no longer just see it as a written verse of scripture, the meaning of it comes out. God's inside of it comes out and application to your life comes out. Spiritual growth comes because of, first of all, revelation of the word God has given. And now we can no longer become just a doer. We can now become a doer of the word of God, not just a hearer only. The occasion for this prayer was the reports that Paul had heard of the continual spiritual growth of the saints at Ephesus. Spiritual growth should be reported and can actually be measured. We grow in faith toward God. We grow in love toward each other and those that are not even saved, we grow in love more toward them to see them come to find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In other words, motivation to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, he said, our spiritual growth should cause rejoicing and prayer in others. Paul pointed out in these verses of scripture that he prayed for them when he heard of their growth in the Lord. That's usually when we quit praying for people. Paul said, no, in fact, I intensified my prayer more than ever when I saw the spiritual growth in you. And because God sees spiritual growth in us, he motivates other Christians to pray for us. In other words, we shouldn't just pray for each other when we have a need. Of course, we should pray for each other when we, we have a need. But when you hear that they've got over that need and are now growing the things of God, we should offer thanksgiving and prayer for their continued growth, not just suddenly stop praying for them because they're growing and turn to somebody else only with a need. We need to pray for each other at all times. So he prayed for them as they grew in faith 
faith toward God. And then he prayed for them as they grew in faith toward each other and love toward each other. And then again, like I said, he even prayed for them when he found out their love for the unbelievers and their love for the getting the gospel to them. He prayed, we should pray for open doors of opportunity, not only for ourselves, but for our friends, our Christian friends, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who that when we hear about them growing, we pray for the open doors for them, open doors for their ministry to expand, but open doors for them to lead people to Jesus Christ. This should be the prayer. The closing of Colossians in chapter four, four Paul said, I, I want you to pray for me that doors of opportunity would be open and that we would be able to preach the gospel without resistance and even point out the fact that we should be able to preach the word of God from the revelation that we have. And Paul even asked them to pray for him. He could keep it simple because if anybody could complicate things, it'd be Paul with all the knowledge he had. And one thing he said was, when I speak to unbelievers, I have to keep it simple as is my duty. And he asked them, the saints of Colossae, to pray for him for that. So I think it's important that we pray for each other, for open doors of opportunity for their for their ministry to grow, but open doors of opportunity for them to minister and see people get saved, because that's the number one reason why God left us here. Why did he leave us here for spiritual growth? So that we can lead people to the Lord. Spiritual growth enables us to lead people to the Lord that perhaps might seem difficult, especially religious people. Those who have such opposition and bring to us religious uh, questions and bring the opposition to our thing, our standing in the word of God. Yet the Holy Spirit is there to bring us and give us answers for their questions so they can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul rejoiced over their spiritual growth in faith and love, and he gave thanks for them quite often as we should be doing for each other. I want you to know this, for my supporters, I thank God for you. For those of you just joined me today, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you with these same prayers to grow in the knowledge of God and to come to the revelation of the truth to where your life can suddenly explode into what God had pre-designed for you from the foundation of the world. Sounds good, I didn't see you right after the break. In Ephesians 6, 18, the expanded translation says, praying always at all times with all prayer, different kinds of prayer and supplication, that is praying in the spirit. The prayer flash drive presents a biblical explanation of each type of prayer found in scripture, including praying in the spirit, binding and loosing, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, and many more. The flash drive also includes a series on the power of prayer and the prayers of Paul. In studying the prayers of Paul, you will learn that Paul rarely prayed for his own needs. He mainly prayed for others, especially for believers. The prayer flash drive contains 37 MP3 audio lessons by Bob Yandian, a topical study on prayer. To order the prayer flash drive, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I want you to understand again where we just left off. We're talking about verse 16, that our spiritual growth should cause rejoicing and prayer in others toward us. But it also should do the same for us. When we hear of spiritual growth in other Christians, we should stop and give rejoicing over them and then pray for them that their love would increase and that also opportunities would open to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There cannot be expansion in our life without looking toward others that we can help expand them. Our growth helps us to get others to grow. Our faith toward God should cause us to want others to have faith toward God. What's happening in our life should be something we want to happen in other people's lives. And it starts off with prayer. Again, this is a prayer of Paul. It didn't start with Paul running out doing something for people. He prayed for them because there's places you can't be that your prayer can be. I mean, we often think about this. Well, I, you know, it's, well, I guess at least I can pray for somebody. What do you mean at least? That's one of the greatest things you can do. It's like finances. You know, what can we do for the gospel? Well, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, I can tell you this, it wasn't given to one person. In the King James, it says, go ye into all the world. Ye is plural. It was a command given to a huge group of people, not to one person, because one person can't go into the whole world. If we each go into our part of the world, then the world can be evangelized. But here's the next important thing. Where I cannot go, I can send my finance with someone that does go. I can give it to apostles and prophets. I can give it to, to those that are evangelists and help spread the word of God. I can give to their ministry and my money counts. It's the same way with prayer. I may not have a whole lot of money in my pocket, but I can pray. And it was and it's found out when Jesus was on the cross and his hands were nailed, his feet were nailed, what did he do? He said, Father, forgive give them for they don't know what they do. He found the power of prayer, but he didn't find it just as he was dying. And many people don't find out the power of prayer till they're getting really old and realize I could have been doing this for years. We often think prayer is kind of like a last resort. I can't physically be there. My hands can't work. I guess I'll just pray for somebody. Verse 16 is Paul was doing that. And Paul was not an old, old man at this time. Paul rejoiced over their spiritual growth in faith and love, and he gave thanks for them. But I want you to notice what he also said in verse 16. He made mention of them in his prayers. I said this to somebody one time. I said, well, I mentioned you in prayer the other day. He said, that's all you did was just mention me? In other words, I should be more important to you than that. Well, get off your ego trip. I want you to see something Paul said of this whole congregation. I made mention of you in prayer. None of them said, well, just mention. No, I want you to notice this. Even when you mention something, God can take that. And it's one of those things where we tell people we're going to pray for them. Then we kind of feel guilty that we didn't take a half hour and pray for them. Why don't you just mention him? Lord, I mentioned John. Lord, I mentioned Linda in prayer. I lift them up before you. Thank you that you're working in their life and go to someone else. Just a mention is all all God needs. He can save you by just a few simple words. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We don't have to go into some intricate prayer. We don't have to go into all the past mistakes we made. We don't have to go into the aspects of faith. The simple thing is that once we mention something, God can take something with a few words and do incredible things with it. Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers. 
And he did this with other congregations in other verses of scripture, whether it be the Colossians or others. He said, I make mention of you in my prayers. Paul prayed for many people in churches and God can catch a mention that we make in our prayers toward other people and begin to work with. If, if Jesus could take five loaves and two fishes and feed a multitude, God can take a small prayer over somebody and expand it and do miracles in their life. Our life should be filled with praise and some prayer. And some prayer here refers to other people. We should be giving praise for people, prayer for people, but our personal life toward God can be filled with constant prayer and constant praise with a making mention of those around us in prayer also. So verse 17 goes on to say, he's the God of Jesus Christ, but he's also the father of glory. Jesus is our glory. And what God's design is that through that glory, we become more like God, the Father, and like Jesus Christ every single day. Look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 22 and verse 24 says this, and this is, of course, Jesus' prayer before he was arrested and taken to uh, to be crucified. He was in the garden praying this during the night. His disciples were with him and they fell asleep while he was praying. But look at verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given to me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given to me. You have loved me before the foundation of the world. Notice what he was praying for was glory. Glory is that intense, close presence of the Holy Spirit working in us, working through us, but also working upon us by being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think one of the greatest ways we can be transformed from glory to glory is by praying in the Spirit. In our daily life, it makes us more like Him. Praying in the Holy Spirit, and I mean praying in tongues, the Bible says it edifies us. It builds us up and builds us up. In other words, we're changed more and more day by day into the glory of God. The Holy Spirit takes God's word and explodes it inside of us, gives us revelation of the word so that we can act upon it. And every time we have the slightest amount of spiritual growth, we are growing in God's glory. And this is what Jesus prayed for again in the garden the night before he was arrested. In fact, in that, by the time he was through praying is when they came to arrest him and woke up the disciples and all this as Jesus was being taken off to be taken to court and then eventually to the cross to die for all of us. Second Corinthians chapter three and verse 18 says, we all with uncovered face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. Our spiritual growth eclipses the spiritual growth of Old Testament believers. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and every one of us can be filled with the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit comes upon us and for miracle power. But this also greatly enhances our prayer life. And just as Paul was praying for us out of a spirit-filled life, a life filled with glory, he says, there's nothing that I have that you cannot have too. So notice the opening of 2 Corinthians Corinthians 3.18, we all, not just me, Paul, and not Peter along with me. No, we all with uncovered face. Back in the Old Testament, when the glory of God was there, they had to cover their face. They couldn't look at it. You know why we can keep our face uncovered? Because the same Holy Spirit that's out here lives in here. 
And the same Holy Spirit that is out there with his great glory and wanting to change us is living on the inside of us. We don't have to have a covered face anymore. We can remove that cover and we can look face to face with God himself, Jesus Christ in the spirit through the Holy Spirit because of the expanded ministry of the Holy Spirit in the day we live in. We all with uncovered face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. The mirror here in this verse of scripture referring to the word of God. As we look into the word of God, we can become more transformed into that very image. And what's on print can become now part of our life, more than just filling our head with the scriptures by memorizing it. We can get the revelation of it by the Holy Spirit. And that changes us into the same image from glory to glory until one day we look just like Jesus Christ. Our purpose is to be like him, to look like him, to act like him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is a ministry and a work of the Holy Spirit. The enhanced ministry of the Holy Spirit in the day we live in has come to do something important in us. And one of those things he does is to cause our prayer life to expand like never before. We can pray powerful prayers that Old Testament saints cannot pray. Why? Because we've been endued with the power of God. And also we stand in a place where God has entrusted us and given us authority to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why, in the Old Testament, they could take the name of Jehovah and take it to the world and evangelize. But you know what we get? We get the name of Jesus, which is his New Testament name. But we not only go out in our own strength, we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says when we go out to spread the gospel, we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We can cast out devils. We have a power that was unknown in the Old Testament for the operation of a standard believer. All the apostles and prophets and kings could operate in that type of, of anointing, but only from time to time. We have been given it for use in our life 24 hours a day. What a day we live in. We ought to be thankful for that. Let me give you some other titles for the Holy Spirit in our life in the New Testament. He's not only here a spirit of power and of revelation here and a spirit that carries us from glory to glory. But in 1 Corinthians 4.21, he's called the spirit of meekness. Meekness doesn't mean weakness and because meek and weak rhyme doesn't make them mean the same thing. Meekness means to be teachable. So the Holy Spirit literally by giving us revelations causes us less to realize on ourself and realize I need the Holy Spirit. So meekness is being teachable. I don't know everything. What a great revelation that is. Even when you've been born again for 50 years to realize something, what I don't know eclipses what I do know. There's so much more to learn. Next of all, he's called the spirit of faith. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, he comes to assist our faith. He's the one that gives us faith at the moment of the new birth, but causes it to expand by revelation of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing or understanding by the word of God. John 15, 26 says he's called the spirit of truth. He always bears witness with that which is the truth. To read it from the word of God and then get the witness of the Holy Spirit that this is the truth, not a truth, the truth. Romans 1 and verse 4 says he's called the spirit of holiness. What it means is when the Holy Spirit comes along, he'll always lead us and guide us into perfection, into holiness, not into sin. The Holy Spirit cannot lead us into sin and will not cause us and cause us to desire to sin. And it makes me upset when Christians say, it really doesn't matter if we sin, we're already covered by the blood of Jesus. No, God doesn't want us to sin. 
I realized it was covered when I got born again, but right now it's it's open and bare in front of me, stopping my, my everyday life, not stopping me from going to heaven, but causing great stumbling blocks in my life. And I need to be able to get rid of it. And so the Holy Spirit comes to also show us that God didn't only save us from sin, but he wants to save us from sinning each and every day. And finally in Romans 8 and verse 9, he's called the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus Christ in us and help us. The Holy Spirit doesn't try to change us into his image. He tries to change us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wisdom and revelation come to us by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna close on this verse of scripture. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, as it is written, and here Paul quotes Isaiah 64 and verse 4. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. I have been given by the Holy Spirit the ability to go into the depths of the word of God like no one in the Old Testament could. Even greater than the prophets, the priests, the king, I can see deeper into it because they had the Holy Spirit living in that in that tabernacle and they went into his presence there. But I am the tabernacle. I am the temple for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit shows me again the deeper things of God. And today we can operate in wisdom and revelation that angels can't even look into. They desire to look into it but God has given to us his firstborn for us to grow in the things of God. Well, we'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.